Thanks for joining us again for Wednesdays Together. This is a highlight in my week every week because we get to gather together as God's people and study God's word together. And it's always such a blessing to me and my spirit. I pray it is the same for you as well. You probably already know that another favorite of mine is the season of fall. I love everything about it. I love the weather. I love the beautiful colors, the beautiful foliage. I love buying some mums for my front porch. I love all of that. You know, I got this big planter box a while back that I purchased. Um, We've got this ugly utility box in our front yard that I hate. And so I purchased this planter box a while back to kind of cover that, to conceal that a little bit, put, put out in front of it. But we've been so busy that I have not planted anything in it and it's just been sitting empty in my backyard so the other day I had this fabulous idea I mean it's fall it's time for mums and I have this planner and I have this ugly utility box and so I thought you know I, I don't really have time to plant anything right now but I could just get a couple of those really big mums and I could stick them in the planner box It's no mess, it's no fuss, it's no real time commitment when they die. I can just get it all put together and then voila, I've got this beautiful solution to this ugly eyesore in our yard. So if you ride by my house and you see those lovely mums in that planter box, just know that I cheated a little bit on that one uh, to, to put something lovely out there. I didn't quite do the hard work that you normally would do with something like that. You know, as we wrap up this sermon series, we've been called to dig deep, to plant our roots so deep in God, and and to do that hard work of looking in the mirror, looking in our souls and our spirits, to rebuild on the right foundation. And, (laughs) you know, I wish I could tell you that I had some great life hack for your spiritual walk with God, but unfortunately there just aren't any shortcuts to growing spiritually like there are with my planter trick. On Sunday, we were charged with with a powerful message um, from my husband calling us to fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ in our lives. And that mission is to seek and to save the lost. And sometimes when you hear a stirring message like that, a message that calls you to action, sometimes we get stopped in our tracks. Sometimes we get paralyzed by insecurities. Or maybe in this season that we're in right now, you're thinking, listen, I can barely hold myself together, so I really can't even think about somebody else. But I want you to know that you can always trust God's principles. They are always true, and you can rely on Him. You don't have to feel inadequate or think that God can't use you. Here's the truth of the matter. He called you, and because He called you, He will be the one to equip you. We rebuild our relationship with God by fulfilling God's mission in our lives. And we do that by reaching for those who are far from God. That's when we see the heart of God in action in our lives. It's when we reach for those who are far from Him. I want to talk tonight 
about God's laws of the harvest. And I hope that tonight's message will liberate you, will liberate me from all the lies that we've believed about all the reasons why we can't fulfill God's mission in our lives. You know, many times when you read the Bible, you'll see it's full of analogies. The Bible likes to use analogies from the natural realm to illustrate spiritual truths in our lives. The natural, you know, that's things that we can see, things that we can hear, things that we can touch. We're very familiar with the natural. That's the world that we live in easily. But the spiritual, the spiritual can only be observed with spiritual senses. And the analogy of the harvest, it's a natural parallel of a spiritual truth Jesus challenged his disciples with a vision of the harvest. And he desires to birth in your spirit and in my spirit the same commitment to labor in his field. Galatians 6 and 7 tells us, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. This is considered the law of the harvest. God promised that what we sow, we shall reap. We can't reap a harvest if we're not involved in sowing the seed. Many times when we hear this passage, we think of the negative things that we sow that come home to roost. And and there are absolutely many times that we face consequences for poor choices in our lives. Aren't you grateful for the grace of God that you don't face a consequence for every single poor choice you make, that God's grace and mercy wash over us? I am so grateful for that in my life because I know I need it every single day in my life. But the law of the harvest that I'm talking about tonight is the spiritual law of sowing and reaping in the spirit. It's that law of sowing and reaping for souls, okay? And so we can't reap a harvest of souls if we are not involved with sowing seeds for souls. What, what am I saying? Well, I can't plant petunias and expect plumbagos. It doesn't work that way. If I want to see people come to God, that's the field I need to be laboring in. That's where I need to be investing my time, my talent, my treasure. You know, the problem (laughs) that many people have, though, is we expect overnight results, right? Like we spend 1.7 hours on this new eating plan. I won't call it a diet. We spend 1.7 hours on a new eating plan, and then we go weigh ourselves, you know, again, and we haven't dropped 10 pounds miraculously in that in that 1.7 hours and we get discouraged and we fall off the wagon we get frustrated because we often lack the patience the harvest requires the harvest requires patience it requires doing things that no one is going to see for quite some time before something comes up from the ground. Robert Louis Stevenson once said, don't judge each day by the harvest you reap, but by the seeds you plant. You know, if any of you are parents, you have experienced this truth on a personal level. You'll know exactly what I mean when I explain this. There's this concept known as water on the rock. And so you can you can uh, go any place where you see that there's water um water has moved in rock formations and you can see oh my goodness the power of that 
I mean, if you've ever seen the majesty of the Grand Canyon and you see how all of that has happened and all of that has moved and it's dynamic, it's amazing. And it's the result of water. <laughs> but you can go to a, you can go to your backyard and there could be a rock there and you could maybe have just one little drip of a faucet and it could just be drip 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 and it may not seem like anything but over time over time those consistent drips of water are so powerful that they will even erode the strongest the strongest forms of rock what am I trying to tell you I'm telling you that even if what you think that you're doing is insignificant over time over time with that consistency it pays off over time you see the result of what God can do in your life and through your life. And it's nothing short of the miraculous. It's breathtaking just when you see it here in, in the natural as well. The harvest doesn't usually come up overnight. It takes time. I want to read to you from Ecclesiastes chapter 11. I'll read verse 4 and verse 6. It says, He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. In the morning, sow your seed, and in the evening, do not withhold your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. We need to understand that God is in control. Somebody needs to say that. God is in control. Why don't you put it in the chat right now? God is in control. We talked all about that last week, about surrendering control of results to God. And that applies here as well. We need to trust him to know what will prosper. We may think that our little part isn't doing much, but when we surrender that over to him, little is much when God is in it. Amen. And we simply need to obey him and be faithful. There is never a better time to reach out than right now. I'm going to say that again. There is never a better time for you to reach for somebody's soul than right now. This world that we live in is so dark. It's so lonely. It's so broken. And people are in desperate need of love and kindness. And you know what? You may be listening to this right now and you might be thinking, Pastor Lisa, I am desperately in need of love and kindness. I feel broken. I feel weary. I'm a child of God and I feel all of these things. But I want you to know this. I want you to know this. Hope springs from sorrow. Hope springs from sorrow. We are about to experience a mighty end time wave of revival and sorrow will be the foundation of that revival. Brokenness, it has this way of forcing us to look for help. It forces us to our knees and forces us to lift our eyes up to him. Scripture even tells us that sorrow when redeemed by God can lead us to life in Christ. Second Corinthians 7 verse 10 says, for godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. When God begins to move, there is a call to repent and to turn to God. Life circumstances that we're in right now, I'm telling you, where we are right now, it, 
it, it, it can be terrible. I know we have, I know we have experienced so many struggles and so many things right now, but I want you to know that where we're living right now, the turmoil of this world, that's exactly the kind of thing that can make people more open to God and to a move of his spirit. And this place of sorrow can open the door for the Holy Spirit to convict. You know, I'm talking about conviction. I'm not talking about condemnation. That's what the church is all about. Conviction stirs the heart and it turns the focus towards God. Condemnation says, why bother? You'll never be any better. Just don't even try. But conviction, conviction leads to hope and to peace because it leads to repentance. And conviction leads to making a complete turnaround in God. You see, we may feel inadequate. I know we feel that. I know we all feel that from time to time, but it's not about you. And it's definitely not about me. It's about God. And we simply need to humble ourselves and to be faithful to God in this season. Our job is to sow the seed despite the circumstances around us and leave the results up to God. There's no shame. There's no guilt. We're doing this out of love for God. We don't we don't do anything in our walk with God to repay him. We can never do that. But we, we do live a life of kingdom service, of kingdom purpose, because that is our reasonable service. We are saved to serve. We are saved to live in such a way that brings glory to God. Does anybody believe that? Why don't you say that right now? I want to bring glory to God. Amen. Amen. I commit to that right now in him. You know, there's always, always an opportunity to rebuild, to renew, to restore. I say that so many times. If you have breath in your lungs, you've got an opportunity to grow deeper in God, to make changes, to turn to him and to trust in him. We read about the prodigal son in scripture, and he had an open invitation to come home. If you, if you read that story, he was in the pig pen. He came to himself. It's not like the father sent a messenger to him and that there was something that changed. No, he always had that open invitation. The door was always open for him to come home and to be restored with his family at any time. He just had to make the choice. Sadly, the father, he couldn't save his son. He couldn't keep his son from all that sorrow, from all that pain, from all that suffering. But you know what the father could do? His love and his prayers, they went before him. They paved the way. God worked on his heart and his acceptance. When he came home and his father ran to him and embraced him, he let him know it was safe to come home. I'm telling you right now, in our minds, so many times we make personal evangelism so difficult, like it's just so hard and that we're not those people. And, you know, I'm not equipped to do this or I'm not skilled for or gifted for this, but, but it's not that hard y'all. It's not that hard. Sometimes it's just as simple as committing to love somebody and not judging them, just letting them know that you're going to be a safe place for them that you can be there any and all times, arms open, ready for them to come back to God and help them make their steps back to him. God's invitation is extended to everybody. Why don't you say everyone? 
God's invitation is extended to all people for restoration. And he's calling you to be his hands and his feet of reconciliation here on earth. Isaiah 55, 11 tells us, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. If God said it, write it down, mark it down, it will be fulfilled. And we can apply that to the gospel. The gospel has been preached. And anytime it is preached here, for anybody to hear, anytime your testimony is given, anytime that you are sharing the goodness of the Lord, you know what? That person that you're speaking to may not receive it, but it will not be in vain. It will not be in vain. It will not return void because there is life and there is truth in the word of God. And it doesn't matter who's the one proclaiming it. You don't have to be perfect to proclaim the gospel. You don't have to be perfect to share your testimony, but it's God's power working in you and through you that brings about a result. Is anybody thankful for that today? I'm so grateful to know a God who is powerful and it doesn't matter my limitations. He can still work through me. Somebody needs to receive that today. Your limitations don't limit God. Why don't you put that in the chat? My limitations don't limit God. Amen. I thank you, God, for that. I thank you, God, for that. You may not see the results of your praying, of your fasting, of your reaching, of your witnessing right away, but God's word will be accomplished, and he will receive the glory every time you share your faith with someone. When we stop worrying about our own limitations or we stop keeping score of, well, we did this and this happened, we did this and this didn't happen and it didn't and it didn't, you know what? When we do that, we can take our focus off of the things that don't relate to us anyway. <laughs> and we can have the focus on him. And that gives us the strength to keep going on. Second Corinthians 9 and 6 says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. You know what that tells me? It tells me just to cast my net, cast my net out. Don't worry about who might reject or don't worry about who might not want to hear it. If I, if I want a, a huge bounty in the Lord, I need to cast that net wide. I don't need to, to be like a miser with the goodness. My goodness, we've got the greatest message of all times. I don't need to hoard that to myself. Here's what I want you to know. It doesn't matter how down you are. It doesn't matter how depressed you are. It doesn't matter how, how hopeless your life might feel right now. You have a God who loves you. And if you want to be blessed, bless others. Sometimes it's hard for us to receive God's blessings because we're so closed up. But you know what helps you get your mind off your own problems? It's helping somebody else. It's reaching out to somebody else. So if you want to be blessed, Bless others. If you want to live an abundant life, share Jesus. Share the giver of the abundant life with somebody else. Right now, there are so many people who would love to get a call from you, who would love to get a text from you. And here's what I want you to know. You don't have to know every single answer to every single question they might ask you. You don't have to be a biblical scholar. People just want God's love, period. That's it. 
Anybody can do that. Anybody is equipped to give the love of God. And if they ask you a question you don't know, you know what you can do? You could say, hey, let me get back to you on that. It's not the end of the world. They don't need you to be perfect. If they want an encyclopedia, they just Google. They need a friend. <laughs> they need a friend. We're called to be friends to those who God loves. Amen. Amen. Here's what I know. The measure with which you love others, that's the same measure with which you're going to experience God's love for yourself. I know this, I know this to be true. God is so pleased when we are working in the field. Now his love is the same. Don't, don't get me wrong. His love for you, you can't do anymore to earn his love. But when I am working in his vineyard, when I am doing God's work, when I'm loving his people, guess what's going to happen? Guess what's going to happen? I am going to feel that purpose. I'm going to feel that connection. I'm going to feel that strength in the Lord. I'm going to feel it every time. I'm going to feel it every time I come to him. Why? Because he will renew me. He sees the sacrifices I am making and he will renew me in him. And I want you to know right now, this, this season that we're in, we've been talking about this throughout this entire series. This is the shift in the spirit that we have been waiting for. This is the time for revival. This is the time that we are seeing God's mighty power at work to change lives. God wants to pour out his spirit on people and he wants to do that through you. It's been prophesied so many times here recently at our church. We know there's a hunger. There is a hunger that is stirring in our nation. And as the people of God, this is not the time to become complacent. This is the time to dig deeper. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be willing. You just have to be willing and faithful. You need to open your eyes to the hearts of God, to the heart of God. And you need to open your heart to loving people. If you saw somebody drowning and you had a life preserver in your hand, wouldn't you throw that out to them? I don't imagine there's anybody under the sound of my voice that would say, well, no, I'm going to hold on to it because, you know, I mean, I might, I might need it a little bit later. No, you all are good people. You have a soul. <laughs> you would throw that lifeline. You would throw that life preserver out to that person. Sometimes I think we are so afraid of rejection that we withhold the best thing that's ever happened to us. I'm telling you right now, Jesus Christ is the best thing that has ever happened to me. Do you believe that as well? But I will confess to you that many times we don't act like he's the best thing that's ever happened to us. We worry too much about the drowning person, about what that person's going to think. Well, I mean, what if the, what if the, what if the life preserver I, I throw out, I, I mean, what if it's, what if they don't even like that color? You know, what if it's, what if I don't get it quite right to them? Or what if I bump them the wrong way or not? Listen, we, that, that sounds so silly, but if you think about it in the spiritual realm, we need to stop worrying and we need to start trusting God. People are drowning and they are dying. They are desperate and we need to just take that step. We need to take that step by faith and trust in him. God is about to pour out a mighty revival that we cannot contain. I'll say that again. God is about to pour out a mighty revival that we cannot contain. And I know this is probably not how you thought revival would come. 
but God is getting the attention of his people. He is calling us to our knees to trust him again. We know there cannot be reaping until sowing takes place. Someone must sow before another can reap. You know, when somebody comes, we we call this area the altar here up front. When somebody comes here and makes a first commitment in their life to God, or maybe they're coming back to the Lord after being astray, that person who comes up, that person brings a long history of soil that's been prepared long before they ever walked in those doors, long before they ever sat through a sermon. Soil being prepared and seeds being planted and watered and nurtured. And it's just at that moment in time, they walk in and they're ready to receive. We can't do it all, folks. Our job is to be ready to provide whatever role is needed in that moment in the harvesting process. You don't know who God is going to bring into your life today or tomorrow that he's already been dealing with. We don't know. You don't know the seeds that somebody else has already sown. And you don't know how your encouragement how your testimony, how your prayers might be the very thing that brings them to Jesus. And I want to close with a final passage of scripture. I want to read John chapter four, verses 36 through 38. I feel the spirit of the Lord. I feel that he has given us a promise right now. And I trust that you will accept this into your spirit. You will receive this word and we're going to live this out right here before us. It says, and he who reaps was, receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored And you have entered into their labors. Folks, I'm telling you right now, a shift has taken place in the spirit. And the harvest is right now. We have received so many promises about this recently. And this is the time for the revival we have prayed for. Somebody say exponential. Somebody say exponential. Many have faithfully labored for years. Many of you under the sound of my voice have faithfully labored for years. Seeds that have been sown for years, they are about to be reaped right now. Some of the ones that you've sown, but many others that you didn't sow or that I didn't sow, they're coming to fruition right now in the spirit. Loved ones who have fallen away from God, they're coming home. People you've prayed for for years, God is working on their hearts And their hearts are opening up to him. And you are going to be a huge part of that revival. I said you are going to be a huge part of that revival. And here's one final law of the harvest I want you to know. You always reap more than you plant. Someone once said, anybody can count the seeds in one apple, but only God can count the apples in one seed. You've been faithfully serving reaching, but only God can see the eternal fruits of your reach. So be faithful. Keep being faithful. Be consistent. Be looking for somebody who's hungry because only God can see the eternal rewards, the eternal results of your faithfulness, of your reaching, of your sowing. Amen. Amen. When Bert and Julie, when Bert and Judy Denault 
asked a young immigrant Hindu couple if they could bring their five-year-old son to church on the church bus with them. How could they see what God would do through that act of service? How could they see that they, when, when they kept asking, come on, let us take him. And then when he finally came and they kept picking him up. And then when they taught Bible studies, how could they see that when they invested in the life of that five-year-old little boy and in that young couple, how could they see that that family would convert to Christianity? How could they see that much of their extended family would as well? And there's no way they could have known that the sanctuary church would be here today because of their efforts. You know why? Because our founding pastor, my husband, he was that sweet little five-year-old immigrant Hindu boy. The ministry of the Denaults lives on today because they reached for somebody and they kept reaching and they were faithful. They sowed seeds. And you know what? That seed continues multiplying today. Jesus wants to put a passion in your heart for the lost. He wants to give you a vision for the spiritual harvest fields of this world, which are ready to be reaped for his kingdom. And when you see the reality of that vision, I promise you, your life will never be the same. And when you see your responsibility for fulfilling that vision, I promise you, your life will never be the same. We got to stop talking about it. And we've got to start living it. We can't just talk about it. We must take up the vision. We must answer the heartbeat of God when he cries out, whom shall I send and who will go for us? We must lift up our eyes from the distractions of this world to the harvest field because the field is ripe. You must look to the fields of the world through the eyes of God. So I ask you right now, who is in your mission field? Where is your Melvin ready? Jim and Vina ready? Where are the people that you've been called to reach out to? to bring into the kingdom of God, to love into the kingdom of God. I want us to pray right now for a true vision of the harvest fields and for the burden and for the passion to reap the harvest that awaits us right now. Dear God, we are your children. Lord, help us live that way. We are your children. Lord, forgive us for every time that we have turned away, that we have shied away from sharing your goodness, from sharing your word, from sharing your truth. God, open our eyes and help us to see the harvest that is ripe and ready. Lord, the people who are broken, who are weary, the people who have smiles on their faces, but behind those smiles, they are hungering and thirsting for something that they don't even know about yet. God, give us the holy boldness. Help us to throw out that spiritual life preserver. Give us that boldness. Give us a heart for you, a heart for your kingdom, a heart for your people. God, because when we have that heart, we will not rest. We will not rest knowing that there are souls that need to know you. Lord, that will be our hunger. That will be our passion. That will be what will drive us, God. 
Not just coming to church and checking off a box or just watching online and checking off a box, not church programs. Lord, none of that will drive us. But God, the eternal results of seeing people's lives change forever in relationship with you. So I pray right now a supernatural anointing to fall on your people. Lord, I speak that over this church right now. I speak that over every person who's listening to this tonight. Lord, give us an anointing that we would be sensitive to those who are in need and we would have the right words to say, God, and help us reap this mighty harvest. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we give them thanks for that right now? There are some of you right now who have been praying for your family, and I want you to keep praying. It might not be the seeds that you have sown right now that you will get to reap, but God might send somebody else. Keep praying. And your faithfulness in reaching someone might reach somebody else's family members. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. And watch what God will do. I'm so grateful that you have united with us in harvest in this end time. We love you so much. We're praying for you. Can't wait to see you again this Sunday. We'll see you in person at 1030 or we'll see you online at 1030 or at 7 p.m. Have a great rest of your week. God bless you. I love you.